Okay, the first teaching, the first session is entitled Healing Grace, God's Part. God's part is done. That's good news. God's part is completed. That's good news. We don't have to ask God to do his part. We don't say, God, I hope and I pray that you'll do your part so that I can receive healing because it's already done. It's a completed work. It's finished. If you have your Bibles, open them right now to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And I recommend that if you didn't bring your Bible tonight, you go find it and bring it tomorrow. I want you to open your Bible with me. I'm going to open my Bible. It might take me a minute, but I'm going to do that. I want you to see God's Word in His Word. Write in your Bible. Highlight in your Bible. Write the revelation that He's giving to you. So this is Romans 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ that's good news that's good news so this scripture is showing a contrast between the first one Adam the one through whom death reigned through whom separation from God And all of the the junk that's out there in the world came through. And it's comparing, but even more, it's contrasting Adam to Jesus. And this is the big part that I want you to notice in the scripture. The scripture says, how much more? How much more did Jesus do? How much more that we receive the abundance of grace, not a little bit of grace, the abundance of grace through Jesus. And with that grace comes the gift of righteousness. And we reign in life. We have grace, abundance of grace. I'm going to explain what that grace is in a minute. We have righteousness. That means that, means that we, I, there's no longer a separation. Because of what Jesus did, we have completely been reconciled to God. He removed sin out of the way. We, you know, when we think about Jesus, we, we, we really focus on the, the gift that he gave us of forgiving our sin. And that's huge. But the only reason he needed to do that is because he had to get through the barrier. That was the barrier that was separating us. And the heart of God was that there would be no barrier, that we would once again be reconciled to him. And when Jesus died for us, that's what it provided. We became righteous. We became reconciled because sin was out of the way. Sin was remitted, removed from us as born-again children of God. And now we are in that position of right standing. It's not a state of doing It's not if I do good, if I don't sin, if I'm good enough, I'll be righteous. That's not what it is. It's not a state of doing. It's a state of being. It's our position. That's who we are as God's kids because of what Jesus did. So we have abundance of grace. We have righteousness. And we reign as kings. Before I talk about grace, let me talk about that. The word reign. The word reign means to exercise the highest influence. To control, to exercise 
kingly power. That's us. It says we reign as kings. We reign. Let me read the last line of that again. Verse 17. We will reign in life. We will reign in life through Jesus. So we have dominion. We have authority. We reign in life. I want you to say right now, I reign. I'm in dominion. The devil has nothing over me. I reign because of what Jesus did for me and because I have believed him and received him as my Lord. I reign. I have dominion. I have dominion over sickness. I have dominion over anything that the enemy throws against me. Period. Amen. 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 Okay, let's talk about grace. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter, back of your Bible, chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Oh, I love that word, manifold grace. First of all, the scripture says that we've been given something and that as we've been given, give it away. That's what ministering is. It's giving it away. And that's what we do. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I want to talk about the manifold grace of God. That word manifold means many-sided. It means various or many. And we're going to talk about the attributes, the characteristics of this gift of grace. Jesus died for us to provide grace. So what does that mean? First of all, you've got in your, in your handout, one, two, three, four, I'm going to talk about some of, the, some of the various aspects of his grace. The first part is that his grace is, and this all goes under number one, it is unearned undeserved and unmerited it's unearned undeserved and unmerited we don't have to earn it we don't have to work for it if we're a really really good person like I told Jenny I was before I prayed the prayer of salvation that didn't get me grace it can't be merited by your goodness by your good behavior or by your whatever, you know, your serving or your giving or your helping or whatever it is that you do. That's not what allows you to receive grace because Jesus simply paid the price for it for us. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it, but it's ours. Number two, this thing called grace, God did for you independent of you. It is available for all of us. It was actually given to us. It was actually provided for us before we ever even needed it. I don't know about you, but I wasn't born when Jesus was on this earth. When he died for me, I wasn't born. I wasn't even conceived. But he provided that grace for me, independent of me. He provided it for me before I even needed it. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It's something he did in his immense love for his people 
Number three, grace is consistent. It's the same for everyone. He has the same measure of grace for you, which is huge, that he has for me. The same thing he did for me is for you. Every part of God's grace is for every one of his kids. He doesn't have favorites. He loves us all. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the scripture says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. When Jesus died on that cross, he did it for everyone. For everyone. He loves us all. Now here's the, here's the, 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 the glitch or whatever you want to call it. It's available. He died for every one of us, for all of us, for every single human being. It is the potential for all. It's a completed work. When Jesus died on the cross, it was a potential for all. It was a gift potentially for all. But it is only actual when we receive it. There is a gift there, but if we don't receive it, it's not ours. Jenny offered me the gift when she led me in the prayer of salvation. She offered me the opportunity to receive the gift. I had lived my whole life going to church. I had lived my whole life believing in God the Father, God the Son, and Jesus. But I had never, I had never asked him to be my Lord. I had never asked him to be my Savior. I had never declared my belief out loud. I had never relinquished my life to him and received the divine exchange of his life in me. I had never done that. So the potential was there. For me to have grace and all of its manifold aspects, but it wasn't mine until February 19th, 2002. That's when the potential became actual in my life. And that's true for every person in the world. It is the potential for everyone. But it's only actual when you receive it. It's a gift given, but in order for us to benefit, we have to receive it. Number four. Grace includes everything that Jesus did for us through his redemptive gift. And the rest of my teaching tonight is going to tell you about all those everythings. It includes salvation, which is is a big package. It includes forgiveness of sin. It includes eternal life. And that's all I used to know, which was good. That part was really good, but there's a whole lot more. The salvation of Jesus, and I'm going to prove this to you with evidence from God's word, but the salvation that Jesus paid the price for and that gift of grace includes forgiveness of sin, it includes eternal life, it also includes healing. I'm going to prove it to you by the word. It also includes wholeness. How many people in the world are striving to be fulfilled? How many people in the world are striving to fill up something that they don't know they're missing? God's salvation provides wholeness in our spirit and our soul and our body. Salvation includes blessing, abundance. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the abundance, to the overflow. That means all our needs are met. I believe, I I was so, so, so awed when I received divine healing 13 years ago. But there's more. (laughs) There's a whole lot more. Over the years, I have come to live in divine health 
And that's, that's even better than divine healing. But there's more. We have the potential to live a divine life in every aspect. That's what Jesus came to provide. And that is what grace is. What I would like to do now is I'm going to take three or four different topics, three or four different parts of that manifold gift of grace and show, you, show it to you in the Bible. The first one I want to talk about is healing because this is a healing conference. Healing is an integral part of the grace of God. The gift, just envision a package, huge package, beautiful package. And in that package, there's all sorts of goodies. And the one I want to talk about now is healing. You don't need to open your Bible for this one because it's on your handout. And the way that I, uh, the way that I organize this, it's like a little uh, chart. And on the left side of the chart is the scripture. And some of the words are bolded. And on the right side of the chart are the, the, the deeper meanings of the words that are bolded. Okay? So first I'm going to read the whole scripture. This is Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. This is a word of prophecy that was spoken about our Savior. It was spoken about Jesus, our Messiah, 600 years before he was born. The first word of the scripture is surely. I love it. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're going to go back now and talk about the the, the deeper meaning of the scripture. The first line says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Once again, it begins with the word surely. It doesn't say if you're good enough. It doesn't say if you're my favorite. (laughs) It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say later. It says surely. You could put the word absolutely in there. Positively. No questions. Surely. He, that refers to Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs. The word griefs in the Hebrew means sicknesses weaknesses or distresses wow this scripture says that jesus bore our sicknesses our weaknesses our distresses and he carried our sorrows the word sorrows means pain but it's not just physical pain it's emotional mental or physical pain he paid the price and the words born and carry in there re- literally mean that when he bore it He put it on himself and he bore it. He wore it. It was upon him. When it says he carried it, it means he took it away from us to carry it himself. He carried our pain. He bore our sickness. He carried our mental, emotional, and physical pain. He carried and bore our diseases, our weaknesses, and our distresses. If you don't believe me, Go study the word. This is the truth. But it it continues. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
in that, in that culture, that's what happened. When Jesus was, was on the cross, when Jesus went through the passion and his death, they didn't know who he was. Now, some people believed he was a prophet. Some people believed he was the Messiah. But there were a whole lot of people that didn't know that. And they, he, they spat on him, and they ridiculed him, and they slapped him, and they, and they, they, they said, okay, if you're, if you're the Messiah, come off the cross. He was smitten. He was afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. So many of us in the Christian world believe that. We believe that. We believe that he was wounded for our sin. That that's why he died. And he did. And he did. If you've seen the passion of the Christ or some of the other amazing movies that have come out about the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus, you've seen how very wounded and how very bruised and how very broken his body was. We should focus on that. We should all focus on that. We should see the depth of what Jesus did for us and recognize what he did. And there was a purpose. There was a great purpose. He was wounded for our transgressions. The word transgression refers to sin. Known or unknown sin, trespasses, rebellion. In this world that we live in, there's a whole lot of sin. doesn't even seem like sin anymore. Sometimes we don't even know it's sin. We become calloused to it. But Jesus paid the price for those sins. And he paid the price for our iniquities. Iniquities are perversities, depravities, generational stuff that follows the family. You see it out there. Alcoholism that goes from the dad to the son to the daughter, whatever. Or a spirit of rage. Or a spirit of lust. We've seen generational sin that goes from one generation to another. That's an iniquity. But Jesus paid the price for it that's part of the gift of grace the chastisement for our peace was upon him i think this is my favorite line out of the whole scripture the chastisement means the price remember grace is undeserved jesus took what we deserved jesus paid the price the penalty for what we deserve. He paid it for us. The chastisement, the penalty for our peace. The word peace is shalom. And that word peace is huge. That word peace is more than tranquility. Although it is tranquility. It's more than settledness or contentment. But it is settledness and contentment. That word shalom means wholeness. That word shalom means completeness. That word shalom means healing. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. That's part of grace. Jesus paid the price for our shalom, for our peace, for our wholeness, for our welfare. Amen. That's grace. And by his stripes, we are healed. The stripes that he took on his holy back paid the price for our healing. And that word healing is the Greek word rapha. It's another name for Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, another name of God, Jehovah Rapha. And it means the God who heals. And that word heals literally means physical healing. It means to heal, to cure, 
to restore to normal, to thoroughly make whole. Jesus came to heal us. Now, there are a whole lot more scriptures, and those of you who listen to my teaching know that I have lots of scriptures to defend this, but I don't have time to do it tonight. So you can go online and listen to a lot more. But I'm going to share now about another awesome part or another awesome revelation about salvation. And it's this word, this Greek word that's in the New Testament, sozo, S-O-Z-O. That word sozo is used 110 times in the New Testament. The word sozo is an all-encompassing word for salvation. That means the entire provision of God for me, for you, in our spirit, soul, and body. So let me say that again. This is big. Sozo is the entire gift of grace, the entire provision that God has for us, for mankind, in every area, spirit, soul, and body. Now, what I'm going to show you is evidence in the Bible that sozo includes a whole lot. You see, sometimes in the Bible, that Greek word sozo is translated saved or salvation. Sometimes in the Bible, the same Greek word sozo is translated healed. And sometimes that word sozo is translated made whole. And it's 110 times. I'm not going to give you 110 scriptures. I'm going to give you one or two for each of those each of those times that it's translated differently. I want to show you the fullness of salvation. The fullness of the manifold grace of God. The many-sided gift of God. Because guys, this is groundwork. This is groundwork. This is the foundation of receiving healing. It's knowing truth. People perish from lack of knowledge. But the opposite's true. People are restored with knowledge. I want you to have knowledge that it is God's will to heal and that healing is part of salvation. So I'm going to go to, first of all, Matthew 1, 21. And I'm going to turn there in my Bible. So would you do the same thing if you have your Bible? Matthew 1. This is the very beginning of the New Testament, the very first chapter. Matthew 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word sozo is the word save in that scripture. So if you have your Bible open, underline it, highlight it, and write sozo next to it. Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's part of salvation, being saved so that we can be reconciled unto God. The next scripture is John chapter 3. We're going to go through a few of these really quickly. This is the, the beautiful chapter about being born again. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That word saved, once again, is so-so. So Jesus came so that we could be saved and have eternal life, life everlasting. Now, that's what I knew before Jenny told me more. 
I knew that Jesus came to forgive my sins and to give me everlasting life, but there's more. Would you turn with me right now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. In this account, there's a blind man. Blindness is a physical issue that needs healing. And look at what Jesus did. This is verse 42. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith, your trust and confidence that spring from your faith in God has healed you. And that word healed is sozo. Same word. Same Greek word. Uh, Let's see. That's where I wanted to stop. I want to make sure I didn't need to go on. That word healed is also part of salvation. The same word, healing, forgiveness, everlasting life, but there's more. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, please. Matthew 9. This is the this, um, account of the woman with the issue of blood. And this is what she said within herself. If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Again, the words made whole are so-so. Let me tell you what I think. Here's a woman, and she had this physical issue that she'd had for a long time, 12 years, it says in the Bible. She had tried everything. She'd gone to every doctor. How many of us have been there? Gone to one doctor after another, after another, after another. She had literally paid all that she had. She had no more finances. She'd given everything she had financially, and she wasn't any better. She was worse. So she had spent 12 years of her life. She, had, she was broke. She was still sick. But with this particular issue, because of the Levitical law, she was considered unclean. And because she was considered unclean, she couldn't be around other people. She couldn't sit on the same chair as other people. She couldn't be in, she couldn't touch other people. And if she had to be out and around other people, she had to shout, unclean, unclean, so that people would know that she was in that state of uncleanness. What do you think that did for her soul? What do you think that did for her heart to be separated to be calling herself unclean, to, to be seeking healing and not receiving it, to doing everything she could do and, and share her life because of that uncleanness, because of the issue of blood. She was a mess. And, but she said, but she said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. And when, when she was, Jesus didn't say, you're healed. He said, you are made whole. That's so so. I believe that everything was made whole. The physical issue, the cause of the physical issue, the, the financial issue, her soul wounds that were in there because she had to shout out unclean and be separated from people for 12 years. All of that was healed. She was made whole. That's for you and me. That's part of sozo. That's part of salvation. That's the manifold grace of God, the many-sided grace of God. I have done word studies on that word sozo. 
it's fun. It's fun to see all of the times that salvation is talked about in the Bible and to see how many different ways forgiveness, healing, deliverance, being made whole. Okay, the next big idea I want to talk about is that forgiveness and healing are completely intertwined as part of salvation. We know that Jesus died for forgiveness. We don't have a problem believing that. But many people in the world aren't so sure about healing. They're not so sure that that's part of God's will. They're not so sure if that's always God's will. We know that he can heal, but will, is it his will to heal everyone? That's where it gets kind of cloudy. I want to show you biblical evidence that they are completely intertwined. And I want to give you an analogy. Think of a candy cane. And I know we're not anywhere near Christmas, but this is a good analogy, so I'm going to use it anyway. Think of a candy cane. It, when it's created, it's got a piece of white peppermint and a piece of red peppermint. And those two pieces of peppermint are twisted together, formed into a cane, and let harden. And once that hardens, there is no way to get it apart. You can't eat just the red or just the white. It is completely connected. I'm going to give you three scriptures, and there's a lot more than three, but I'm going to show you three scriptures where both healing and forgiveness are in the same scripture. They are directly connected. They are directly related. The first one is 1 Peter 2.24. So please turn to your, that scripture in your Bible. 1 Peter 2.24. Thank you. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, this is one verse in the Bible. It has two clauses. It has two parts. The first part of the scripture talks about Jesus taking our sin into his body on the cross and that in that process, Jesus died, yeah, but so did we. As born-again believers, we died too. We died to sin. We died with Jesus, and we were resurrected to new life with him. We died to sin, and we were given the precious gift of grace, and that was the, the righteousness that I already talked about. That's awesome. Once again, that righteousness puts us in a position of being able to be directly in communion with God. There's nothing that stands in the way. He is with us right now. There is no division. There's no separation because of our position of righteousness. But then in this same scripture, there is a hyphen. And then there's another clause. That, I'm going to give you a little grammar lesson right now. That hyphen, that grammar is has a direct purpose in the old king james there is a colon two dots both the both the colon and the dash the purpose is to connect two clauses when the second clause strongly relates back to the first clause now that's that's just grammar it's not two sentences it doesn't have a period in the middle it ha- I just felt a huge anointing just fall. 
It's there because they're directly connected. The second part of that scripture, directly is connected, is directly related to the first part. Because forgiveness of sin and healing are directly related, directly connected. Jesus paid the price for our healing when his back was torn. And get this, that happened before he died. He paid the price for our healing before he paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our healing before he paid the price for our righteousness. But they are directly connected. Healing and forgiveness are both part of salvation. The next scripture I want to show you is James chapter 5. James 5, will you turn there, please? Starting with verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So I'm just going to take a couple little uh, pieces of the scripture and talk about them. At the beginning it says, is there anybody sick? If so, call the elders and have them come and pray for you and anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. I want to explain that a little bit. An elder is simply a mature Christian. I call them believing believers. I want somebody praying for me that believes that it's God's will to heal. Somebody who knows the word, who believes the word, because that's how we release the power that's already available, is by believing. So I want somebody who believes. So that's what an elder is. And then it says to call the elders and have them come and anoint you with oil. The purpose of oil in the Old Testament was to consecrate things that were used for worship. Even the priests and their garments were consecrated with oil. The purpose of that consecration was to separate that thing, that utensil or that person, for a purpose. To separate them for a specific purpose. When we consecrate with oil, when we anoint with oil, that's literally what we're doing There's nothing magic about it, but we're simply believing God and separating you, consecrating you unto him for a purpose, and the purpose is healing. We're literally being separated and saying, God, I'm here. I receive. I receive. I believe. I receive. It is also a beautiful sign of the Holy Spirit and his power and his presence. He's here. He's within us. It's just one more, just a a nugget that I wanted to share with you. Another nugget I'm just going to share before I go on, and that is that this is, I believe, where the the sacrament of, I think it's extramunction in the Catholic Church, I believe that's where this comes from. I, that was my faith. That was my faith as I grew up. And it was a, a beautiful sacrament. And it was for the purpose of of consecration and the purpose of separating that person and prepare them to be ready to to enter into heaven forever. But here's the good news. You don't have to wait till you're dying (laughs) to have that precious gift of being prayed for by the elders, by somebody who's a mature Christian. We do it all the time. We pray for people all the time. We go to the hospital and pray for people all the time and anoint them with oil, and they get well. And look at what this says. I'm going to read the rest of this. It says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. That word save in the scripture is so-so. Same word. 
That prayer of faith will, will do the whole bit. Provide healing and, and forgiveness and eternal life and, and wholeness and blessing and everything that that person needs. The prayer of faith will sozo the sick and the Lord will raise him up. What I'd like to do now is I want to point out another little grammar thing that I found really, really interesting when I was studying the scripture. And that's the word and. It's in there four times. I write... And I'm really picky about writing. And if there's the word and in my sentence four times, I'm going to change it. It's like, oh, no, that's way too many times to have and in one, in one sentence. But there's a purpose. There is a purpose. That word and is a conjunction. And it serves to join together related ideas. Just like the scripture we read a minute ago. So let's look at this now. The scripture says for us to call the elders and have them pray the prayer of faith and anoint you with oil. And here comes the ands. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. That's the first thing. Heal, deliver, make whole, whatever that person needs. So look at Jesus. Look at what he did and look at what he didn't do. Jesus is perfect theology. Theology is the study of God and the nature of God. When you look at Jesus, you see perfect theology. I'm going to say something tonight. I'm going to say it again tomorrow night because it's really powerful. It's important. If there's something you've been believing about God that you can't substantiate through the life of Jesus, you better rethink it. Because Jesus is the perfect image of God. So if it's those questions that I just asked, a lot of people believe that. They believe somehow sickness glorifies God. They believe somehow it's going to, God gave it to them to teach them a lesson. There's, those are lies. Those are lies. If you can't see that Jesus did it, then it isn't the heart of God. It's the deception of the enemy. I wasn't planning on speaking that tonight. So Jesus is the perfect image of God. We're talking about healing being the will of God, that the grace of God is all good. It's all good. Acts 10, 38. Let's turn there, please. Acts 10. This is Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So here's Jesus. Jesus walked on this earth. There's lots of... of, of historical evidence of what Jesus did in the Gospels. Jesus did good. Hear that? Jesus did good. And what did he do that was good? He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. So where does the junk come from? The devil. It's called oppression. It's the devil. Jesus did good and he healed. God is good. Jesus is good. All the time. And the devil's bad all the time. That's really simple, but it's really important. God is good. The devil's bad. Jesus is good. He's the perfect image of God. He would no more put sickness on you than he would lead you to sin. Would you turn with me to Colossians 1.13? We're going to just do a couple more scriptures and then we're going to pray. Colossians. 
Jesus is the image of God. Verse 15, now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the exact representation of God. He is the visible representation of the invisible. This is something to go home and meditate on. Jesus healed everyone when he was on this earth. Jesus didn't give sickness. Jesus didn't turn people away. He didn't wait until they were free of sin. In fact, he healed sinners all over the place. The biggest sinners were his apostles. I've done studies on his apostles. It's pretty interesting. He is the visible representation of the invisible. Hebrews 1, verse 3. Oh, Father God, I just pray. I just pray that we get your goodness and that your will to heal is so big in your heart for us. Verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. So look at Jesus. If you don't know if it's God's will will to heal, look at Jesus. And then the scripture that just seals the deal. (laughs) Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same. What he did when he walked on that earth, he's not any different. The title of this conference is Jesus Heals Today. The word today in that scripture literally means this very day. He's still in the business of healing. He hasn't changed You might not see it all out there. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I had never seen a healing, but he healed me. And since then, I have seen, I can't even tell you. Go to our website, start reading. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. These guys are going to share their testimonies this week because we see healings all the time. I'm going to be sharing a ton of them. So it's always God's will to heal just as it's always God's will to save. It's always God's will to heal, just as it's always God's will to forgive. And then there's a big however. Did I put that in your notes, the however? Okay, however. This is a heck of a way to end a message. However, God's will doesn't automatically come to pass. God's part is done. Thank you, Jesus. But we have a part two. Tomorrow, first session, we're going to talk about our part, which is to believe him. That's the only thing we have to do, is to believe him. We don't even have to understand. We just have to believe him. So tomorrow, we're going to talk about believing. We're going to talk about faith to believe. And I don't know if we have any musicians that are going to play as we minister, but if we do, you can go ahead and come on up. If not, you can just get the music going real quiet in the background. I want to turn to Revelation 22:21. 21. 
This is a closing scripture. Mm. I'm going to pray this over you. May the grace of God, may the manifold grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May the manifold grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. May his grace cover you all. Grace of God, thank you. We thank you, God, for your manifold grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the finished work that provided our healing, that provided our deliverance, that provided our remission of sin, that provided our eternal life, that provided blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And God, the grace that fills us up and makes us whole. I thank you for that grace, God. And my prayer, Father God, is that the foundation of your grace settles in all of our hearts. Mm. Revelation doesn't have to be understood. Revelation is when God speaks to your heart. It's when he literally woos you. He just settles right in your inner being and he settles in your heart and he just loves on you. And he says, yeah, yeah, baby girl. Yeah, son, that's what I want you to know. That it's done. That it's my will. And that I am so excited that you are here to come to know me in a, in a way that will change your life. That's what happened to me. Jenny led me to the Lord and I had no clue what I was getting into. Father, I just thank you. With all my heart, I thank you. Some words of knowledge I'd like to share right now and then we're going to have ministry time. A word of knowledge, I like to call it grace lit. God has grace. It's got everything in this package. But this is kind of a stocking stuffer. <laughs> grace lit. Just a little nugget of a gift for you. And a word of knowledge is something that he shares. It's one of the, one of the gifts of the Spirit. And it's something that, that he reveals his heart for you. And he's, uh, I literally ask him. Sometimes he gives them to me on my feet. <laughs> Usually, it's because I'm sitting in prayer listening. And that's, what I, that's where these came from, these words of knowledge. And I want to just share them with you. Now, if this is something that you're dealing with, I want you to be bold. I want you to stand up and say, that's for me. I'm taking it. And we're going to come lay hands on you. Some of our ministry team is going to come lay hands on you. And we're going to pray. And there is, a, a, along with the word of knowledge gift, there is a, a, like a faith that rises up to receive. Okay, so the first one has to do with the lungs. And as I was in prayer, I saw lungs, and I saw darkness in the lungs. It seemed to be in the bottom lobes. Is there anybody that has something going on in the lungs that they need healed of? Something in your lungs. Do we have somebody here? Okay. You can just stay right where you're at. We'll come to you. That's for you. That's for you. Father God, we speak over lungs right now. I speak over the lung and the health of the lungs. I speak over whatever that darkness is in there. And, Father, I thank you right now 
that you heal whatever that is, that it is cleansed, that it is removed, that it is uh, uh, completely restored to normal. That's what you do. That's what Sozo is. You restore it to normal. So I thank you, Father. Right now, just take a deep breath. Breathe in the air that he gives you to breathe. And I thank you, God, for healing those lungs and perfecting them. God will perfect that which concerns you. Amen. Okay, the next one. Um, chronic heartburn. If you have that, stand up. We're going to come pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. I speak over that right now. I speak over the reflux. I speak over the, the whole system. And I declare right now that it is completely restored, that your stomach works the way that it's supposed to and your esophagus works the way that it's supposed to and that they don't um, do the reflux thing. I speak over heartburn and I say it's gone in Jesus' name. Go. I speak to it because Jesus says to speak to things. So go. Heartburn, go and don't return in Jesus' name. I declare that you will lay down and you won't have to get up because you won't have any heartburn. I declare that you'll sleep through the night and it won't wake you up. I declare that when you eat, it doesn't matter what you eat, your body will receive it and there won't be any pain. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. The next one, um, uh, I felt, uh, uh, okay, it was left side. Lymph node in the neck, right on the left side, kind of in the front, I felt like an enlarged lymph node area. We'll pray for it. Absolutely. Stand up. We're praying for it. Lymph nodes. There's somebody in. Oh, that's Linda back there. Okay. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're just touching those lymph nodes. Thank you, Father, that you're healing them. Thank you, Father, that any issue that they're having, you're taking care of. God, you created our lymph node system and our immune system to create, to perform a certain way. So we say, work the way that it was created, but don't do any, uh, uh, anything that's out of the realm of what you created it to do. Bring it back into balance, back into the position that you created it to be in. And lymph nodes that are swollen and sore and raised, go in Jesus' name. Body be healed, immune system be healed. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Fran, what's going on? It's down. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 The next one, I've got a couple more. The next one is an issue with the stomach, but it's every time you eat. Every time you eat, your stomach hurts. Every time you eat, okay, go ahead and stand up. And it's really, you know, you, it's, it's, it's just taking over your life because you feel you're almost afraid to eat and you know that when you eat, your stomach's going to hurt. Father, thank you. I speak over digestive systems and stomachs right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that that is a thing of the past that these people have been delivered from the authority of darkness, they've been delivered from sensitivities to food, that their stomachs are healed, that their digestive systems are healed, and that that sensitivity is gone, that when they eat, their body receives the food, and they enjoy eating because their stomach doesn't hurt after they eat. 
I thank you, Father, if there are specific foods that they are sensitive to, that their body begins to receive those foods without sensitivity, that as they eat healthy foods that God has provided, that they can receive it without any pain. I speak right now, pain, go. Stomach pain, go and don't come back. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Mm, and this last one is a soul issue. Um, I, I sense this deep sadness, this deep depression, this deep, and I don't know if depression's the right word, it's this heaviness, this heaviness. And I literally felt when I was feeling this that it was like I couldn't even breathe. Like this, this and it wasn't a physical thing, it was a soul thing. I felt like I couldn't even breathe it was so heavy so if that's you we want to pray for you our ministry team will come around oh father god i call those wounds rooted out i call those wounds rooted out i call those wounds rooted out and replaced and replaced with your love Mm, that's it. Replaced with your love. Re replaced with your love, with the knowing of how much you love them. A knowing of that, the, the, the truth that you are with them. That you are right there. That you, uh, in fact, I want you to do this. I want you to see whatever that situation is. And I want you to look for Jesus. Jesus is with you. Jesus was with you. Jesus will always be with you. He's there. I speak right now over that heaviness, over that darkness, over that, over that oppression. I speak over it, and I declare that it's lifting, that cloud is lifting. You feel like it's been there, and it's settled, and it's not going to go away, but that's the lie. That's a lie. The truth is... That with Jesus, the healer, that thing's going to lift and it's going to stay away. I call you right now surrounded by the love of God inside, but also outside. It's like it just surrounds you, like walks with you. When you walk, the love of God just goes with you. It surrounds you like your own little cloud of glory. It's not a dark cloud. It's a glory cloud in Jesus' name. And that you move out of that season that you've been in, that season of heaviness, that you move out of it. Mm. And you're gonna, I feel like it's gonna, it's, it might not be, it might not be um, immediately, but you will see from one moment to the next that you're better and from one day to the next that you're better and from one week, one week to the next that you're better until you are, you, you are, that old person that you used to be that you want to be, you'll be that person again. In Jesus' name. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you.